Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Would you stand with us as we read God's word together? Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Pray with me. Fathers, we come into your presence right now. We are here for your glory. Help us to attune our minds, our hearts, our very soul into your word. And through your spirit, may you guide us, discipline us, encourage us, lead us, and teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Officially, we have finished our series on the chosen, but there was one more scene and one more subject that I wanted to share. So today you get a bonus sermon and the message is entitled, In Jesus' Name, In Jesus' Name. The world has dismissed the name of Jesus. They abuse it, belittle it, renounce it, and have abandoned it. Truth is, they never understood it. Beginning with the opposition in the first century in Israel, the name of Jesus was the world's first cancel culture target. That first century culture is long gone, but a thousand more have come and gone to replace it. Most of them misunderstood the name of Jesus as well. But not every culture. There was a time in our country when the name of Jesus meant something. It was mentioned frequently by our founding fathers. The name of Jesus has been invoked countless millions of times by U.S. soldiers in every foxhole in prison camp from Germany to Japan, from Korea to Afghanistan, from Vietnam to Iraq. How many loved ones, how many millions upon millions of loved ones and family members have been crying out in the name of Jesus for the safety of their children and their husbands and their loved ones fighting our wars. But not so much today. Today, the name of Jesus is primarily used in our nation as a swear word. So that brings me to one of only two points I want to make this morning. Very simple message. The first is the name of Jesus is powerful in presence. It's powerful in presence, and you're going to see in a minute that it's powerful in more than just presence, but it's powerful in presence, and I'll explain that in just a moment. The name of Jesus is powerful. Now, let me be clear. I didn't come here this morning just to bash America or bash other cultures or even bash bash first century Israel. That really does no good. It doesn't bear any fruit if you walk out of here thinking, yes, we've abandoned Jesus as a nation. That'll just depress you. I want to help you and remind you and myself, even if they don't get it, that the name of Jesus is powerful. And we forget that very easily. The name of Jesus is powerful in presence. The, the third of the Ten Commandments says this. 
This is in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Immediately, in the first 10 laws in history, God, with an exclamation point, says, you will honor and respect my name. Now, to be fair, he's speaking to his people called by his name. So you and I need not so much concern ourselves with what other people in other cultures are doing. We need to first and foremost concern ourselves with what we're saying and how we are using the name of Jesus. In terms of confession, I will tell you that I use the name of Jesus in every prayer I pray at the end out of ritual. Sometimes I think about it and sometimes I don't, but I always say in Jesus' name. It just flows right off the tongue because I'm a good Baptist. That's how we say it, whether we think about it or not. And it is good. I think it is important to invoke the name of Jesus in your prayers. But we need to think about it. We need to mean it. We need to understand what it is we're saying that we not throw out the name of Jesus flippantly ever. The name of Jesus is powerful and present. Some may ask, well, why not? Why not use the name of Jesus in vain? Why not use him in our swear words? What's the big deal? Well, on the one hand, it's disrespectful. I don't think you need a theologian to tell you that. It dishonors God, which is the opposite of what we're supposed to do. But also it dismisses the potential power of his name. So why do we do that? Have you ever wondered that? Why do we use the name of Jesus when we cuss? I mean this hypothetically. I know you never cuss, but I'm talking about, you know, those people down the street. <laughs> why do we do that? Why does our world constantly use God's name in vain? Why do we specifically invoke the name of Jesus as a cuss word? When somebody cuts you off in traffic, you never say, oh, Buddha. <laughs> Even Muslims, when they're cut off in traffic, I'm not in the car, but I'm, I'll venture a guess that they're saying, oh, Jesus. They don't dare say, oh, Muhammad. Why is it that Jesus specifically, why are we drawn to his name? I know that Hollywood doesn't love Jesus, if you haven't noticed. But they sure love to use his name. In fact, if you watch movies, they're almost obsessed with Jesus. He's almost in every movie out there. <laughs> Although it's through swear words. I recently came across an article by author Elizabeth Scalia, published in 2018, just a few years ago, entitled, Dear Hollywood, When Your Characters Use the Name of Christ, he is there. That's a fascinating article. I don't know if I entirely agree with it, but this writer who is a Christian noticed that Hollywood uses the name of Jesus a lot in their movies. And she went to see a particular movie. It's called, um, called The Post. Uh, it has Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in it, which I'm out already. There are no aliens or monsters. So but maybe you saw it, I don't know. But she saw this movie and saw how much the name of Jesus was mentioned in the movie. And it caused her to think, why is Hollywood obsessed with the name of Jesus? And she wrote this article as a response. 
and, and, and particularly, she develops a theory that the reason we use the name Jesus in our foul language instead of Muhammad, Buddha, or someone else is because of an unrealized need to be connected to him. She says that we all have this instinctive need to be connected with God, the one true God. And she's right about that. God designed us. I believe it's literally in our DNA to need God. And whether we realize it or not or recognize it or not, we are drawn to God and interestingly, the one true God. So she says this, Hollywood takes irreverent use of Christ's name to absurd excess because of a deep spiritual disconnect. And that's what she notes in the article, not that they just every once in a great while, every 10 or 20 movies, you'll hear one reference that in the name Jesus used in a cuss word, but nearly every movie and sometimes multiple times, she's con convinced that Hollywood is obsessed with Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Again, it's her, her reckoning, but I find it interesting. And so she said this, a recent viewing of the post the new Meryl Streep Tom Hanks offering might leave one entertained on the one hand, but disturbed on the other. The story is interesting, she says, and the acting is top notch, but throughout the film, Christian viewers might find themselves flinching as the characters again and again sputter Jesus Christ, and never in reverence, but in frustration and anger. It's hard not to be offended. He is our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is God incarnate, and we should care about respect for the holy name as deeply as we care for our own. More so, actually, because the name of Christ is a true prayer. When we say Christ and we say Jesus Christ, that is a catalyst to a prayer. Because all real prayer comes through Christ. If you, she goes on to say, if you have never read Henry Morton Robinson's classic novel, The Cardinal, she said, consider picking it up. There's a scene in it where the priest protagonist, Father Stephen Vermoyle, has rushed into a construction accident to hear a dying man's confession. So this man is dying, he's about to die, and he makes his final confession to the priest. In the intimacy of this cramped space, the crushed worker confesses irreverence. He says this, I make Jesus' name in swear words hundreds of times a day. Everything I say is Christ this and Christ that. And the priest replies, that shows how near he always is. And then he says, what else have you done? That's a spiritual and cognitive disconnect that should tell us something important, that we are not consciously making the effort to bring Jesus Christ, the Savior, into all of our activities day after day or minute by minute, and yet the soul cries out for his company and his help. I find that interesting. I never really thought about that. Why are we so obsessed with Jesus if we're not going to follow Jesus? She goes on to say, Hollywood takes irreverent use of Christ's name to absurd excess, she says, because of that same disconnect, how very much Hollywood needs Jesus Christ, and they don't even recognize how frequently they call out to him. Naturally, she says, we can't, we can't like the repeated use of the Lord's name in vain, but the movie, The Post, again, unintentionally reminds us of just how needy are the hearts and souls of our artists and how deeply they need our prayers that they might someday make the connection and begin to utter the holy name in real 
intentional rather than accidental prayer. So the next time, she says, you hear the name of God or Jesus' name being taken in vain, whether in person, on television, or in a movie, say a short prayer in reparation, but also for the sake of the speaker who is in great need, uh, than a greater need than he or she may realize. Dear Hollywood, when you call his name, he's reaching for you. Try reaching back. <laughs> so I found that article fascinating. I never really thought about that. Why do we use Jesus' name so much if we, as a culture, no longer care about Jesus anymore? I know there was a time, of, cor of course, in our culture. We just didn't do that. On, on the Oscars or other award shows, if someone used Jesus' name in vain, that would cancel them. You just didn't do that. There was respect for God that we don't have anymore. But I wonder, why the obsession? Number two, the name of Jesus is powerful not only in presence, but in practice. It's powerful in practice. Look with me, if you would, in Mark chapter 9, verse 38. So as you turn there, uh, go ahead and take it off of there because they're going to read it. <laughs> I got to tell you this. I love this passage. It's really good. Here's what happened. The disciples were doing what they never dreamed that they could do because Jesus was taking them from disciples to apostles, from students to master, as it were, spiritually. He was growing them to maturity just as he desires to do to you and me. We're in that same process. We not, may not be called apostles. You may not think of yourself as apostles. The, the Bible actually refers to us as saints, even though sometimes we're not very saintly, but it refers to us as saints, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we're growing into maturity to Christ-like, character day in and day out slowly God is trying and calling and drawing us to that maturity part of the reason that you're here this morning that's what we learn that's how we grow but in the middle of this process uh, the disciples have now learned and I'm going to show you in just a moment that they went out and God did miracles through them well one day to the shock of the disciples they came across somebody they didn't even know and they were doing miracles and casting out demons in the name of Jesus. So they came to Jesus and they said, hey, <laughs> we saw this guy and he was using your name and doing miracles. So we told him to stop it. <laughs> That's what they told Jesus. Because the disciples thought they had the copyright on Jesus' name. <laughs> and they saw that as copyright infringement. And uh, so they, they told on him. They went and tattled to Jesus. All right, put the passage up. I just find that funny. Teacher, said John. This is John speaking, not even Peter. I expect it from Peter. But teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me for whatever is not, whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. The first thing you need to understand is this. We don't own the copyright for the name of Jesus. Uh, first of all, it's not just God working through us. God is working through believers all over the world. 
You see, the disciples had no idea. They had no, no conception at all of the billions and billions and billions of people who would be crying out over the centuries in the name of Jesus. They had no understanding of how many people would be healed and how many miracles would take place and how many wars would be averted or resolved because people were crying out in the name of Jesus. They didn't know. They thought it was just them 12 and no more. Also, you have to notice in this, I love verse 41. Go back to verse 41. It's the last sentence. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. First of all, if you give, when you give a cup of water, that's a small thing, is it not? That's why he says it that way. Even when you do a, a tiny thing, just a, a small courtesy, you let somebody in front of you in traffic instead of cutting them off. That's a tiny thing. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. It's just a tiny courtesy. He says, you do the tiniest courtesy, the smallest thing in my name, you're going to have a reward. That's what it says. Now, you're not earning your salvation. That's the mercy of God through the blood of Jesus Christ through faith alone. Can't earn that. But having given your life to Jesus Christ, you can earn reward in heaven. And so he says, when you do even small things in my name, you're getting reward in heaven. Listen, this week, you can pile it up in heaven. You can do small things, medium things, and big things in the name of Jesus for others around you, whether they deserve it or not. And if you do it in the name of Jesus for the glory of God, you're earning reward in heaven. That's what he says. And, all right, go back to the passage again. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you so much as a cup of water in my name will certainly not lose his reward. I love that. A few weeks ago, Chris shared a scene from The Chosen where Jesus told the disciples he was sending them out to preach, teach, and to perform miracles. They were shocked. Now, in the Gospels, we have that particular scene. It says in three of the four Gospels that Jesus did that. He, he told the disciples, I'm sending you out two by two, and you are to drive out demons, you're to perform miracles, and you're to teach in my name. They'd never done that before until then. They were just watching. They were watching the show. They were watching Jesus as he performed the miracles and, and uh, taught and all of these things. They're, they're just... They're just support behind the scenes. And now Jesus shocks them, no doubt shocks them by saying, hey, uh, now I'm going to have you do that. Now, what the Gospels don't tell us is how they responded. But knowing the disciples as well as we do, I think we have a really good idea how they responded. They responded by being stunned and disbelief. You want us to do what? Oh, that, that's not us. That's, that's you. That's, that's something you do. We, we can't say that. We can't do that. And Jesus makes it clear to them, actually, you can in my name. So he sends them out. Now, you, you saw two weeks ago as Chris was preaching, he showed that scene. And again, we don't have the response in Scripture, but uh, I think that scene is probably very accurate of how they responded. Like he immediately got pushback from his disciples. because. And by the way, I, I know how he feels. I know how he feels every time we sign, do a sign-up sheet for a mission trip. 
I know how it feels every time we, we, we have a ministry here in the community or in the, in the area, and I have people tell me, well, preacher, I don't, I don't know how to share my faith, or I don't know, I don't do mission trips, I don't know, because there's this timid, timidity on the part of so many professing Christians. Listen to me, listen to me. In the name of Jesus, you have been given power not to have the preacher do it or have deacons do it, but you, you can do amazing things through the spirit of Jesus Christ, through the spirit of God, in the name of Jesus. You have no idea. I think I'm going to be shocked when I get to heaven, when God reveals to me the power that I could have been a part of and the times that I missed opportunities because I didn't think I could do it. It was just little old me. And God's going to say, I told you in Jesus' name, the impossible could be done. But what Chris didn't have time to show you was them actually going out. And there's a, it's a kind of a montage in the chosen series of them going out. And again, we can only assume their shock when it first starts working, <laughs> that God would use them for mighty miracles in the name of Jesus. Watch this scene.
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now just imagine how much the disciples learned in going out. Can I, Imagine this with me. Imagine had Jesus never sent them out, had they never gone, they wouldn't have learned anything. Imagine if you never go out, you'll never learn anything. God wants to do the miraculous in you in his name, but we have to be willing to go. And so that's a free sermon there. I do want you to know this. I always say this when it comes to uh, scenes like this and passages like this. Did you notice that the disciples used oil and the reason they used oil in the scene because it mentions in the gospel that they anointed people with oil. And I know I've told you, but I, I just want to restate anytime I see the use of oil in healings. Sometimes people use oil, sometimes people don't use oil, and it was the same thing in the New Testament. I would say 90% of the time or more, they did not use oil. Most healings, like the healing you saw last week of the woman who had an issue of blood, uh, she just touched the hem of Jesus in faith, and she was healed. And Jesus explains to her why she was healed. He stops, turns to her, and says, it was your faith. Now, it was his power through our faith that makes it possible and so you don't need oil for that. If you don't have faith, you can bathe in a pool of oil and it won't make a bit of difference. So why use oil? Well, oil was used for medical purposes in the Bible. And so they saw it as a, a medical ointment, but it also was symboli it symbolized uh, God's anointing. 
We see that throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. Way back in Psalm 23, David says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And so we see that anointing upon uh, on people by God. And so as they use the oil, I don't think the oil was used to heal. It was the name of Jesus. And that was where the power came from through faith that caused people to be well. But the oil was a visual. I don't think it was for healing. I think it was for the disciples and for the people to see. It gave them something to do as they were in the healing process. So I always say it to say, if you think if I just have the right chemical, or if I have the right oil, or, you know, you don't want to get the, you don't want to get, you, you know, you don't want to eat this oil, you want this oil, you, you can't use vegetable oil, it's got to be olive oil, or the, no, no, oil doesn't heal, it doesn't matter what kind of oil you use, or even if you use oil. And so if people want to use oil, I say definitely use oil. If they don't want to use oil, I say definitely don't use oil. You're not sinning either way. It is the faith that makes a big difference, okay? All right, um, uh, Okay, um, I, I, I chased a rabbit there as a free rabbit. <laughs> By the way, when I opened this morning, uh, uh, we were in Acts chapter three. So Peter and John, this was after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus. Peter and John are going into the temple. This is one of the first events that happened after the ascension of Jesus. It's early in the book of Acts. And so they're, they're going into the temple uh, through one of the gates of the temple. And there's this beggar there. Now the beggar's been there for decades and decades. Everybody knew the beggar. They'd all seen the beggar hundreds of times. Most of them had seen the beggar or many of the people had seen the beggar thousands of times. They all knew who he was. They'd all seen him begging. And they probably, many of them had given him uh, a small amount of money over time. And so Peter and John go through the gate. And as they're going, this guy's begging for money. Peter says, well, I don't have any money in that famous scene, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. The guy got up and walked. And so uh, everybody was shocked because they had seen this guy so many times, but they never seen him standing up let alone running around everywhere. And so everything is in commotion in the temple because this guy is there just stunning everybody by running around. So Peter immediately seizes the moment and he addresses the crowd and he tells them, this is why you're amazed. This is why this happened. Let me explain it to you. And he does so in one verse in Acts chapter three, verse 16, he says this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom, let me, let me go back again. By faith, in the name of Jesus. By faith, in the name of Jesus. By faith, in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. And again, he states it. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. So he is explicit with everybody. The name of Jesus and faith. Listen to me. There is power in the name of Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, Jesus is personally penning letters to the churches in Asia Minor. And to one of the churches, he says this, to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, these are the words of, who, of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Does that sound familiar? 
That's our world today, where Satan has his throne. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet, you remain true to what? To my name. Isn't it interesting that he said it like that? The words of Christ himself. Christian singer Katie Nicole has a song called In Jesus' Name. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I am going to read some of the lyrics to you because I love the doctrine of the lyrics. Listen to what she says. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do in desperation. I seek heaven and pray this for you. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings and every promise he is faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. He is greater. He is stronger. He is the God of possible. I pray for your healing that circumstances will change. I pray that the fear inside will flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. I pray for revival, for restoration of faith. I pray that the dead will come alive in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This week, go out in Jesus' name, and change the world. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today, and in Jesus' name, I pray for intercession, intervention, transformation. In the lives of this nation, the lives of Azel, in the lives of this church, and in our own life. In Jesus' name. I know that there are those that are here this morning, and this is the best week of their life. Others, it's the worst. And everywhere in between. Father, I lift them up in Jesus' name, that you're glorified through us, that we realize that it's not who we are, it's who you are. And it is the name of Christ that empowers us to alter reality, to change the future, to alter our path, to give us hope, to restore us, encourage us, and help us. There are those that are here this morning that desperately need encouragement. I lift them to you. They're hurting right now. We have a family who's lost a loved one and they're in pain. You know them. You made them. You love them. In Jesus' name, I pray your healing hand on them. Grant them peace. Father, others in this room are watching online or struggling somewhere else in their life. It may be physically, they're hurting. It may be emotionally. Their, their relationships have crumbled and they don't know what to do or where to turn and they're lonely and they're hurt. In Jesus' name, may you heal them. 
Father, our nation needs healing. We're broken. It's a dark place. There's so much evil. In Jesus' name, I pray for your intercession. Transform this nation. Bring us back to a revival. Bring us back to a place that we cry out in Jesus' name out of respect and faith rather than out of cuss words and irreverence. Forgive us. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you today? You might want to come and just kneel and pray in Jesus' name for whatever you need to pray, whatever you need, whatever there is in your life, whatever concern that you have, or maybe if God is blessing you in your life, in Jesus' name, you need to come up and intercede for others around you because they need your prayers. And there is power in the name of Jesus, but you need to do that. Will you afford them that? Maybe God has called you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. You want to come down and say, in Jesus' name, we want to be a part of this congregation. And you're welcome here. Or maybe God has been convicting you and you want to give your life to Christ. You know you've never done that and you need to. Make that public profession of faith. Just come down and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. Or become a candidate for baptism. Or you just want to come and kneel and pray. This invitation is your opportunity. In the name of Jesus, right now, would you come? Everyone stand up. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. And as everyone stands right now, as we pray, you come.